0: Matthew 26, verse 26. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take this, take, eat, this is my body. And so in this simple verse, very straightforward, and yet with amazing depth to it, Christ establishes the Lord's Supper, knowing all that was before him knowing that he was to be betrayed, knowing that he was the sacrifice of God, that he would be taken to a kangaroo court, a a court of evil men. They broke so many Jewish laws at night, not in the court precincts, in the high priest's home, hurrying to do a capital case, which should usually be two trials over several days. They compressed everything in wickedness, and Christ knew this as he established the supper. The abuse and the crucifixion no man could bear. Christ pleaded with his father that it might be taken from him, but yet he resigned himself to the will of God over his own human will. He establishes it despite abuse and crucifixion. This is the last quiet evening he will have with his disciples before all this occurs, and he takes this evening to bestow a gift upon the disciples and it's that which is precious to them they would remember it time and time again as they would remember him in this ordinance of bread and the cup it's sad to think through history how this ordinance has been subjected to controversy and misunderstanding and has brought division when christ brought it as a cherished gift to his own in the light of the troubles that they would face as they saw the trouble that he would go through. The plain meaning of Christ and this bread is that this bread represents my body. It's a greatly helpful picture that supplies food to us spiritually, the closeness we bear with Christ, just as the pictures I am the door or I am the vine are wonderful pictures for us to understand Christ in a new and different way. So this bread that represents him is the personal, spiritual, and deep connection with Christ and their connection with one another as they all partake in Christ. And it's been among the saints for centuries one of the most cherished and solemn joys that they have experienced as they proclaim Christ's death. The question today for us is how might we best meditate on Christ as he is represented in the bread? I'd like to present four pairs of considerations. The first one is common and uncommon. How does the bread represent Christ? He is common and uncommon. The verse tells us, now as they were eating, Jesus took bread. What is more common than bread? The youngest child understands that to eat bread strengthens and helps satisfy hunger, gives a sustaining effect to the body. Christ himself was common in that he had a body like men. He didn't have what some would call today a handsome privilege because of good looks. He did not have the looks that would make us look upon him and desire him. He was common in his appearance. He was... Vulnerable as a young child, cradled by his mother. Very common. He grew in his youth and learned obedience. These are very common things. And the bread that he holds out in one sense is very common. He had the appearance of a man. Part of his humiliation was that he was a common man among those who are sinners. And though his own soul would be vexed because he saw so sharply and with such great contrast the sin that violated his father's honor and holiness. It's as if he were a speck of gold washed upon a great beach and was just simply counted common with all the sand present. Bread in this way is very common. At the same time, Christ is uncommon in the highest degree. This bread that he takes is now used for a spiritual purpose. That's uncommon. We think of bread for a physical purpose. When we think of how he was conceived and brought in the world through a virgin birth, uncommon. When we think of how he was without sin, how even when he went to the cross and fulfilled his earthly ministry, he fulfilled over 300 prophecies out of the estimated 1,800 and more in the scriptures, uncommon in every degree. As we see his preaching and his compassion and his miracles, his raising from the dead, the people marveled that he preached with such authority. He was uncommon in who he was. His resurrection and ascension, we lose the ability of words to capture how uncommon and great and significant Jesus is. Even the word significant pales to the words that he actually deserves for his person and his work. He is the firstborn of the dead. He is saving his people from their sin. And so in Christ hands this bread, it's strangely common and uncommon at the same time as it represents him. Secondly, how is Christ represented with the bread? Blessed and cursed. It says after blessing it, he broke it. And here we have at the same time the fact that he is blessed of his father to be the one who comes, to be the one who saves, to be the one who is promised, the Messiah. When we say Jesus, we say the anointed one. He is the one. He was blessed as a boy with wisdom, talking with the Jewish leaders in the temple, his knowledge and wisdom apparent. He was doing all his father's will. If you remember, that was his statement to his mother. Did you not know I would be about my father's will? At a young age, and this was evident throughout his life, he was blessed in answering his enemies with excellent questions. They rallied against him. By what authority do you preach? He said, will you tell me, John the Baptist, was he of heaven or was he of men? Perfect question. They challenged him with questions about death. There was a woman who had seven husbands. Who will she be in the afterlife? And he said, they do not know the scriptures. They challenged him about taxes. Shall we pay taxes? Are you faithful to Israel or are you a traitor and for the government? Because we can accuse you to the government as well. He said, Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's and render unto God the things that are God's. Blessed in his understanding. I marvel at his question to their questions a superior wisdom, a superior truth. Blessed. At the same time, he was cursed. He is that blessing that was broken and cursed for us. Cursed is everyone who hangs upon a tree. And so this, this bread is broken. For all his goodness, Lord, where is your grand entry? Where is the throne prepared for you? Why are the professors of all the highest educational institutions of your day not applauding you for such great wisdom why are not physicians lining up to honor you for your great work of compassion and healing from your hands? No, he didn't receive any of this. For all his goodness, he was cursed. For all his good works, he was regarded as deserving of flogging and betrayal and abandonment. It's as if he would almost think we would, he would blend in common dust. But then we return back to the blessing. Though he was cursed, he was raised. Though he was cursed, he has a new body and leads the way for us as we consider what we will be in the future. We will follow in his train. He is the judge, and God has shown who the judge is by raising him from the dead. He is the Savior, our living prophet, our priest, and our king. Christ is represented in this, blood, in this bread as blessed and as cursed. Thirdly, This bread represents Christ in that he is given and he is taken. He is given. Christ willfully gives himself. He lovingly gives himself as the sacrifice, effectual, personal. The father gives us his son and he bears our stripes. He is bruised for us. He is the one who is able to call 12 legions of angels to stop the hand of Judas, to stop those who come at night bearing clubs to arrest him, to stop those who would try to find a valid witness against him to condemn him to death. For Pilate, who had no spine and no call to justice in his words, he could have called 12 legions to come against his kingdom as well. But no, he gives himself willingly He gives himself with purpose. This is Christ giving himself by decree, prefigured by the scriptures. Christ who is the ground of all the benefits that we receive. Christ who is our peace with God and Emmanuel with us. Christ our eternal life, given. Christ our abundant life, given. Satisfaction of our soul finds that it is in the fact that he gave himself for us and that we have been adopted into sonship because of his work given to us. The title indeed that we share to the celestial city is that which he has given to us. The shepherd's care that we so wonderfully receive has been given to us. All this good working for favor he wrought on the cross, all the mercy, all the love, is that which has been given. At the same time, Christ represented by this bread is that which is taken. Scripture says he gave it to the disciples, and he said, take, eat. And so when we take it, we can take it, we do so in obedience to the command of Christ. Sometimes the saints look at their own life, and they say, how can I come to this table and partake it? I'm a sinner. How can I, with so many failings, and even when I know better, after years of following the Savior... How can I with clear conscience come at this table and take it? We come not because of our worthiness. We come at the command of Christ. We stand as ready soldiers to do his bidding. And part of that bidding is to come in obedience. And he hands the bread that he has given us and he says, take, eat. We have a new nature now that desires it. We have a new discernment. And 1 Corinthians 11 drives us to that discernment of his body and blood in this matter. We should refuse any practice that would lead an unbeliever to partake of this because Christ gives the command to his disciples, to his people. We see that this is taken indeed by the disciples. It has been eaten through the centuries in obedience to Christ. It has been taken and internalized and applied to the heart. This bread has been taken for life from the bread of heaven. And so we see this bread indeed is that which is given and taken. Finally, fourthly, we see this bread represents Christ in that it is personal and corporate in nature. His body alone is given. The loaf that he takes as a single unit represents him, his own body. Jesus went alone to the cross. Jesus, a full sacrifice. His body was broken. By his stripes, we are healed. He was complete before them as a single body to be offered up without spot, without blemish, without stain. And so it is his body that is offered. This is just another way we know it wasn't his literal body that he gave them to eat. For if he gave away part of himself, he would have been less the sacrifice on the cross that was demanded by a holy law. We know his speaking figuratively. We know the plain meaning in this bread represents my body because it refers to him personally, refers to him as a whole sacrifice. When we use that word propitiation, we are saying that his full sacrifice completely satisfies the wrath of God. There is nothing left of wrath to be paid for he has paid it all. It not only speaks of him personally in his own body, it speaks of us corporately as well. For he takes this one loaf and he breaks it for his disciples. And as his body is taken, it is entered into the community of the redeemed. 1 Corinthians 12 tells us, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Colossians tells us he is the head of the body, the church. And so we find our unity corporately because he has given us his body corporately. Just as Jesus told the Greeks in John 12, he that dies is that which produces much fruit. And so Christ, by his one body, joins us together by this bread to be a corporate body with him as our head. A couple questions before we partake. Do you take Jesus as common or uncommon? The answer is yes, both. In humiliation, he entered into our common humanity, but he is the most uncommon as he is Emmanuel, God with us. Do you perceive Jesus as blessed or cursed? The answer is indeed, I do. He was blessed in all he purposed to do and cursed by being broken for us to bear the infinite penalty that we could not satisfy, but that he could sustain for eternity. Is Christ given to you or do you take him? The answer is both. Indeed we do. He has given what is impossible for us to attain and bids us to take our life of him. Does the Lord's table represent Jesus in his own body or does it represent us corporally and bind us together? It is so. Both exist together. By his body alone was sown a like seed that died and rose again to bear much fruit and is a picture to us of that which is buried corruptible and raised up incorruptible. He has a fruitfulness that will fill the earth in this way. He is now what we shall be at the resurrection. We eagerly wait for him to return, and until that time, we will proclaim his death until he comes. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to your table, we see that it represents that which is deep, and eternal, that which sinks its very root into the counsels of God, that you did the pleasure of your own will, even before the foundation of the world, you had decreed it to be so. With deep honor, a cherished and solemn joy, we come to your table to remember you, to proclaim your death, to rejoice in the life that we have in you, to see our unity with one another is all born because of your body given for us. Lead us by your spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.